0: Too hot. Hot, hot. It was I don't hot. think you're allowed to talk to me talk about me like that, no. according to our HR handbook. No, no, no. I'm talking about the weather we just dealt with. Oh. Holy smokes, it was hot.
1: Yeah, it was uh you know, it wasn't humid though. It wasn't no, humid.
0: No, it was a dry heat. I'm George Techmichev here with Steve the Big Cat. Big cat. Anderson oh, with another Eastern Podcast. You've been
1: doing too much announcing.
0: Yes, that's You're right. You're used to handling everything on your own. I hear I've been doing way too much announcing.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> well, uh, 60 medals at stage three of the Hyundai Archery World Cup or history. And, uh, you know, this was, this was awesome, this event. It was so nice to have all of our friends from around the world coming to us for a change. Instead of the other way around. Was it? Sure. Why not? I'll tell you why not. Give me a reason.
1: I got too much work to do when they're all here.
0: True, because... You know you're here, and it's convenient for them to get you to help them with all sorts of stuff, and that takes up some of your shooting time. But I believe some golf was involved too, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, we played a little golf as a team. So who'd you play? Who'd you play golf with? Um. So, oh boy, it was so long ago. Now it was uh, in my group. It's myself, Braden, Galantine. Yep. Zach Kurtzall is the VP of Engineering at Hoyt. Yep. Yep. Um. Fairly good shooter. Yes, and I'm blanking. So he and Braden were partners, and I was. Uh, I had Chris Webster. Okay, also Hoyt a good employee shooter. and Team USA shooter, mm-hmm. yeah, recur guy. guy. Yep, he was. Uh, he was my partner. So he and I played against Zach and Braden. Then in the other groups, we had uh, Bridger Deaton, Mel Nichols, Doug Ludwig. Uh, Mackenzie Brown played. Wow. Um. Man, there were so many people. I know. I mean, Dean played Dean.
0: Dean Alberga Who else played with with you guys. Our, our upcoming special guest. Here you are ruining our our podcast. Uh, yeah, we're introducing know, him. So I'm going to hand this one over to Dean, so you guys can talk about this.
3: Yeah, 14 of us. 14, 16, tw- 12,
1: 11, uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was. Um,
3: it was it was pretty fun. Pretty good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. So between Zach and Braden and Chris and myself, we we did a uh, back nine uh match play and we got we got down early um i'm not to toot my own horn in here or er, at all here but uh i hit some some big drives got us back in the game on holes 16 and 17 we I mean, tied see, it up
3: see you're you, you're famous for your big drive yes I've, <laughs>
1: I've seen it in person and it's
2: like freakishly yeah, inbounds long.
1: out of bounds it's going to go very far one way or the other. So we come to hole 18, long par five, skinny green to very, very narrow front to back. There's no reaching it in two. And the real play for me would have been two iron off the tee. I was hitting my two iron on a frozen rope all day, but I just hit two incredible drives with my new TaylorMade M one. And I'm not paid to say that. Maybe we can work something out though. If anybody from TaylorMade is listening, um, so I pulled the TaylorMade, I pulled the, the big stick and, uh, proceeded to hit one in the water hindsight should have went two iron, probably something like a, I don't know, four iron, seven iron, somewhere in there, depending on how far I hit the two iron, you know, nice, easy iron to lay it up anywhere from a, a pitching wedge to a 52 degree wedge onto the green and, and then just roll the putt for birdie. Simple as that we win, but no, I, uh, I hit it out of bounds and cost us the match. We actually ended up tying, so we did a 19th hole. And that's where we actually
0: lost, I guess. So did you follow, like, the rules of the uh, U.S. Open for this? Or was it a matter of simply, you know, play through? Um, it
1: It was just a team best ball. So no real event i uh plays off of that if, I, if i'm All right. not mistaken
0: well sounds like it was fun and as you may have noticed we have a special guest in the podcast today the man the myth the dean dean alberga the infamous famous photographer of world archery do you
1: think we can have jay plug in some shutter snaps
0: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> after you said D. Oh, we can do that. I should have brought yeah. my camera. You yeah. yeah, should yeah. have brought your camera. Yeah, I know. You know, we I'll say have... one thing about shooting in the finals. When you're at full draw and you hear someone uh, drop a shutter snap, you know, the one that's like 60 consecutive photos, mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, – it's kind of – it'll it'll uh, take your mind away from what you're doing the first time you hear it. After after that, you go, oh, yeah, there's going to be a bunch of camera noise. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I mean,
3: the... in, Go ahead. In, in the beginning, I was – kind of hesitant with getting like all those sequences but after being at an Olympic Games and I've been hearing the noise that all the shutters make right are it's full literally
0: and, like a a den of rattlesnakes
3: yeah. yeah and it yeah the they Olympic don't even flinch anymore the archers, the archers just they're, they're so used to it and yeah. right.
0: if you're sitting in the blinds it and it was quieter so. at Rio than it was at London even, wasn't it? From what yeah. I heard, L- because of the, we were, uh, the new technologies, the electronic shutters. Yeah,
3: and, and in London, we were
0: a little bit closer to the arches. It literally was like a nest of rattlesnakes going off. Yeah. I would like
1: to see a new recurve shooter, new to the clicker, mm-hmm. and that happens. You know, what would happen?
0: It. it I'll tell you what happens. Um, because, as you know, I, I do a lot of seminars, and every time I do a seminar, and Yoshi Komatsu, our our good friend from Japan who publishes the Japan Archery Magazine comes along, he's taking pictures of me working with shooters. And trust me when I tell you, the timing completely changes on the part of that shooter when that camera's going mm-hmm. off. So I, I usually I'll, I'll, you know, Yoshi will take a couple shots and then I have to wave them off because you just, the shooter can't hack it if they're not used to it. Hmm. Yeah.
3: Now, I mean, I, I've, I've had in, in the past, it was just before the, the Beijing Olympics, I've had the Korean coach ask me to send like a, uh, the, the sound of a shutter so they could yeah. they could practice with yeah the sound of we actually shutter. created
0: a, a a a sound effect mm-hmm. that we've been using in our international team camps at our chula vista eastern archery center
3: yeah
0: um and the last camp we had right after the vegas shoot in February we had a bunch of teams out there including Japan and Canada and some others and uh, we used that sound effect in order to kind of you know, camera proof these yeah. folks, men and mm-hmm. women, and it, it works. It does work because once they, once they get used to the fact that random stuff is going to happen, going to
3: happen around them. yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. then
0: they're a lot better off. Which which kind of leads to some other stuff. But let's back up, um, Dean. It's your first time on our podcast, so first yep. off, thanks for being here. Thank you
3: it's for having awesome me. Been awesome having yeah.
0: you here in Salt Lake City this past week um i say it was hot man you were out there with a camera with two big heavy cameras running around in the sun the whole time
3: yeah i mean it it was really hot and and fortunately like steve said before it, it wasn't humid so that made it a little bearable but it was hot i got burned well maybe not burned but i got close to burning yeah it's not easy one thing we didn't
1: mention maybe you know we've talked about it a lot but maybe those uh listening haven't heard but it, you know it was shot on field turf so the turf temperature can get the scorching hot i'm talking upwards of a 67 yeah. degrees yeah. measured so surface temperature of the of the turf yeah it's very hot you feel it through the soles of your shoes exactly. and then the, the air temperature up. immediately above the turf is probably a good 15 degrees hotter than than the uh, measured temperature that you'll get in the forecast so yeah. we're, we're talking it was probably 115 Fahrenheit yeah yeah very dry
0: though as you pointed out earlier
1: yeah so it honestly it was not as bad as some of the
0: heat I've been in this year so you know some great performances coming out of Salt Lake but uh, any memorable photos for you Dean that uh, people can look at on your webpage?
3: yeah I mean uh, they, they can go to to uh, dutch target.com and, and go to the photo album I have all the photos there from the, the past World Cups but one particular that I personally personally like is the photo of Mike Schluser just after his mm, yes. winning shot. I yeah. And it's not often that you see Mikey. I mean, he wins a lot, but he he never shows like the big emotion he did. Yeah. At this one. And I, I was one of the lucky ones to caught it on camera. So, yeah.
1: I Mikey wins though. enough that he knows the drill. Yep. Turn to this side, put the bow in the air move turn this way look at the camera the video camera he knows he knows what he's yeah. doing and i watched him do it as though he had practiced it yeah. but this so, one would
3: this one was like pure emotion he was like screaming and, yeah he was pretty pumped yeah so in fact you know if you
0: think about it dean you're responsible for some pretty iconic pictures all of which really rest upon the emotion of the shooter you know that that picture of uh, Crispin Duenas that we've mm-hmm. seen many times when he's yeah. kind of like dropping knees. to his knees yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and doing the fist pump. Yeah. The but one from
3: uh, from uh, Rio Coup at Rio. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: that the the one from Coup at Rio was is everywhere in advertising. Yeah, right. I mean, it's very very um, iconic.
1: And he didn't even win at that point. Right. Yeah. That Am was I <laughs> right?
0: Is that that was right. taken that, when that the, was when he thought he won?
3: Yeah. And then he had to go do messed, one more end. Yep. He had to go to one more end, and he won that one. Fortunately for him. Yeah, so, he, didn't yeah.
0: Ha- he didn't quite have the same reaction after nope, that because no, no. he was a little then, more <laughs> a little, probably be tired. Yeah. tired, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. But that was one of the photos. I, I, I took a sequence of photos starting from basically when he was aiming, shot the arrow, turned around, went to his knees. And
0: mm. so it's really hard to do in a podcast because, you know, we don't have the visual element. But let me just ask you off the top of your head. What tips do you have for people that want to photograph archery, either for the purpose of helping to coach people or just to capture what's happening in an event? What kind of tips have you got? What what goes through your mind when you're getting ready for one of these?
3: Um, usually when I'm, I'm on the line, so to speak, and and taking action shots, uh, just keep in mind the action is not over when the arrow is shot. People will turn around, look at their coach or mm look at their see those moments and those are you're making expression yep. yeah exactly yeah. so it, it's not over when the arrow shot just keep clicking and
0: stuff in between ends yep. too huh
3: exactly and then and, mean a lot of good material up. happens
0: when they're scoring at the target or yeah when also they're walking. also yep, yep yeah.
3: you can get like beautiful beautiful shots down down the range and uh it's usually those kind of shots that will make a good photo and yeah it's it's not always the archery part of it so it's it's what happens around it and it's it's all digital now so just keep shooting and then yeah. now
0: one thing people don't realize I, I've seen it many times uh, so I've become you know um, appreciative of it is how many hours you've got to spend afterward yeah, picking that, out the best photos and uploading basically them.
3: when the work out I mean I've, I've been doing this for a while and
0: well, it pretty much since the beginning yeah of the and World then, Cup yep, circuit
3: exactly and I'm, so at, the now, yeah. you know, I'm at the point now six you know I at now where I where I if I'm on the field, I take a photo. I usually remember what sort of photos I take. So in mm. the end, it doesn't take go back as long exactly yeah. to make a selection of the photos that I want. Right. But then the editing starts. And, and with all the programs nowadays, editing is, is made so simple. So I just want to get the photos out as soon as possible because they are news worthy, some of them. And some of them are just good mm-hmm. memories. But uh, yeah, we, we try to show the tournament so uh, to show what's going on so I want them out there as soon as I can
0: well you know and and people are like you said newsworthy right people are into the live coverage now that seems like yep. it's you know it used to be such a big deal to get live coverage and it still is cost wise it's yep. a big deal because you got to have the big fat internet pipe or satellite oh, exactly. and you, you know you got to have the cameras and I mean you know it costs as much now to do a World Cup as it co- used to cost to do world championship.
3: Yeah, no, it, it's
0: so you true. know between transport and hotels and, and it's a huge production.
3: It's 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 a very big operation and, and it's not to be taken lightly as we've we've seen in the past. So. And you
0: don't just do the photography work for world archery. There's a lot of other stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you work on too. I've seen it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I do some some stuff for Hoyt and Easton, not just photography work for their catalog or. Uh, advertising purposes but uh, I also like to work I've been involved in archery for almost 30 years so uh, I know a bit of archery and and I help out shooters as well with with some of their tuning problems and
0: one of the cool aspects of course of what you do is that you know you're really good friends with so many archers that you also can use your photography expertise in other ways like I've heard about you doing wedding pictures for. oh
3: yeah (laughs) I've done a, a couple of archery weddings as i call them so and yeah you build up a relationship with with the athletes and and some of them are are have become really good friends yeah and as a favor they ask me to do their weddings and i'm I'm more than willing to yeah, it's pretty nice it. so yeah yeah
0: pretty cool so dean um we're, we're gonna have you pop in and out a little bit as as the show progresses but uh you know f- feel free to weigh in because we're we're gonna talk about the world cup and you were there f- firsthand yep just as I was and Steve was, and so we're going to chat about that a little bit for a minute or two. Ooh. You know, we had um, we had about 50 countries out there, a very successful event, per se. Um, certainly the inaugural major event for the Eastern Archery Center here in Salt Lake City. Sure, we've had big team camps and big tournaments like the Big Sky and some other stuff, but this was a different scale. And I think the facility handled it very well. The volunteers did a great job, too.
1: Yeah, it was... Um first class all the way you know we had a volunteer a guy who's in the united states air force he flew or he excuse me he drove in spent nine hours driving after he got off work um or something like that like he took you know, leave
0: in order to to work as a volunteer i think he had
1: his his day off or whatever uh, yeah, yeah, it was normal, yeah normal, normal you know they work, leave. they work a five-day yeah. schedule
0: so yeah. they might have a
1: you know, for him, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, he had off. So, he drove in um, Wednesday morning, nine hours, got here. You know, he helped to run scorecards back and forth, and he was he was on our target bales. That's how we got to know him. And then, he paid twelve dollars to park his truck in a parking garage, and then slept in his truck. And uh,
0: all for the privilege of working at an archery tournament in hundred degree temperatures for free. Yeah, wow.
1: the next day he came back and did it again, you know, till about five o'clock. And then, um, you know, we found out about this guy a little bit and we got him, you know, a USA jersey signed by all of us and nice. got him some shirts and hats and stuff. And then nice. he drove home nine hours home that night. And see, because thing, he had to work. Yeah, he the next had to work day, Friday.
0: Yeah. The thing is, there, there are stories like that throughout the volunteer corps, right? Mm-hmm. We had people coming in from out of town to to put their time in to bring water bottles to the kibo bays and the Mm -hmm. the shanghai Jins of the world and you know if you're a serious archer you know maybe you're never going to make a world team but that's a great opportunity to meet some of your heroes in the sport isn't it yep you know
3: i mean that's that's one of the things i like about archery i mean not the world Cup per se but at, at any archery tournament locally or maybe some small international tournaments it's possible you can Uh, look at a tournament like Vegas you can shoot on the same target as one of your heroes and right so it's a yeah it's amazing how close you can get to your heroes and shoot alongside them it's it's yeah
0: well and you know I think that that's true for both volunteers at an event like this and participants I mean where else are you gonna be at a a, a tournament nationals coming up in, in Indiana right there's going to yeah. be some. There's going to be some regular person who's going to be shooting next to a, a Steve Anderson or a, you know, another top level shooter, a Braden Galantine, yep. whatever, a Jesse Broadwater, and and our sport lets you do that, you know. And, and, no, exactly. And, and the, and the and best part is those shooters are more than happy to have those those regular people. Yep, right there, hundred percent, for the most part.
1: I, I think it's funny how we talk about that because I don't think any of us view ourselves as like you said a hero none of no. us are here i mean we all look at that guy who fights for our country and drove 9 hours yeah each way that's a hero i mean right. the guy the guy is uh doing more than we, we shoot archery we're not a big yeah
0: it's not, not life and death yeah it's we're not, not a big death. deal yeah. and
1: we're not celebrities and you know it, but it,
0: but you are to some people though that's the nice part right but you know, you know if i'm one but of it's the, all scale you know it's all role it is
1: scale. but my advice to those people would be don't don't look at anybody as as uh you know, if you want to make it in this game, if you if your aspiration is to be a great shooter, you have to look at everybody else as your peer, not your hero.
0: Because someday you're going to find yourself right. potentially yep. shooting against your exactly. peer. Exactly. And if you have hero worship in your in your mind, then you're probably not going to win. You're mm-hmm.
3: already one point behind them. Yep.
0: That's right. Which is why it's it's good to be good to people, because someday they may be kicking your butt. True. True story. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk a little more about the outcome of that event. Um, you know, I would say the most surprising thing to me was the performance of Korea versus Chinese Taipei in the women's team round.
1: Chinese Taipei, new Korea.
0: Yeah, maybe to a point. I mean, look, they've always been strong. You know, Chinese Taipei has always been strong. Mm-hmm, yep. But but everybody has been in the shadow of Korea to some degree. And this year, for some reason, that quite frankly, I'm not quite sure about why, uh, Korea has not been as dominant.
3: No, so far, and and we've seen it in Shanghai at the world, the, the the first World Cup. I mean, they've they've made some mistakes or dropped a few points here and there, and and yeah, they're definitely not, or haven't been as dominant as as previous years. But I mean, I think the World Championship is the more important thing to them, and I, I'm pretty sure they'll be ready at the World Championship.
1: You know, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yes, it could be, you know, just like we were talking. Team like Chinese Taipei may look at a team like Korea, last year and think, "Wow, Korea, is amazing, incredible!" Yeah. It's Korea, but yeah. now they've got a victory against them, now they're thinking, "We're we're right there." We're yeah, I mean, every bit is capable.
3: And everybody sees Korea as beatable. Yeah, so yeah. 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 Kazakhstan beat the men. Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: the women were toppled. Uh, one I mean, sign of this trend, of course, was uh, a couple years ago in Antalya when the Japanese women's team beat Korea. Gold medal, gold medal gold match. Medal match yeah. You know I what?
1: Remember. What my real thought is. In 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 elimination matches, there isn't enough time to separate the cream. You know, you can't to let the cream rise to the top. It's it's easy for a good shooter or a good team to have a few bad arrows and a bad shooter. Well, not a bad, a lesser shooter or a lesser team to get hot for a get few up. arrows. Yep. So I look at, I mean, until someone is better than Korea in elimination rounds consistently or in the, in the team qualifier, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because what they win by 55 points or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. hundred
0: yeah. points sometimes is not a, yeah.
1: <laughs> until someone is even close to that, I'm not going to give them any sort of title as best team, regardless if they, they could win every gold medal. I don't yeah. care. Hmm. If you can't put it up in qualification, I don't think you're as good of shooters. You may have been fortunate in the matches, camp. which that's where we hand out the medals.
0: Yeah. But And let's be honest, guys. I mean, as shooters, all of us, we, I think, recognize on a certain level that Korea would be winning everything if it weren't for match play and if it weren't for set system in particular.
1: Yeah. Yeah, right? if we just I mean, shot straight up. Shoot this many arrows and decide who wins. It would be
0: extremely rare right. for them not to not to take away the no. lion's share of the medals, right? And so, you know, I mean, that kind of leads to the next point, which is Steve. I told you so back what? in 2015 that Korea was coming on strong, and I think we're starting to see in the compound ranks the effects.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: once again, again, not as dominant, right? As th- yeah, no but, one, no um, one can no dominate one's compound. anymore. No. Because no. because of the round partly.
1: If you moved it to sixty meters, someone may be able to separate themselves again. Yeah. But right now For a while. Too many people in a fifteen arrow match are capable of having a good round.
0: We talked about this, Dean. I don't I don't think you listened to the podcast, but we did talk about this in our previous discussion. And Steve's point at that time was it should be a sixty meter round and it should be maybe a hundred centimeter target. Mm-hmm. And and that would help separate the cream from the whatever yeah 60 meters at the 92 I okay. think that would be the 92 is actually the face that was invented for the purpose of um, the Atlantic, Atlantic City, City shoot back yeah. in the day and um, you know so it's not actually a standard target per se mm-hmm. 100 might be too big I would I would agree with that the 92 might be a reasonable size although it's not a standard size the point is my worry about that is what it might do to club shooters you know I understand the the necessity or the desirability, perhaps. I wouldn't call it necessity right now because nobody's shooting perfect scores all the time. But I understand the desire to try to create a little more separation there. Mm -hmm. When you have ties going 17 places, yeah, you could argue that things are not shaking loose the way they ought to at a certain point and you know it's the old story with some other stuff motorcycle racing sometimes right i mean you see the same same people yeah, always mean, the, dominating uh, and then uh, you got the a, Rossi's and, and, and then you got a train of bikes you know yeah. i mean it's that's that makes her actual boring boring competition to yeah, watch yeah
3: but but still if, if i look at the the this year's competition i mean you had so many different shooters rise up and and put in their two cents on 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 the line and winning mm-hmm. and it's, 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 like Steve not, it's not yeah exactly and but the new not kid just, from, d- from from netherlands. the netherlands and it's it's hard to predict nowadays i mean three four years ago you could say oh well if so and so showed up yeah he'll probably
1: win but you can't i mean it's not like anymore, anymore. The, the day after qualification you can look at the bracket and figure who probably has the exactly the yeah. easiest yeah. path if all things go as you know Normal. paper would say, but then then what happens is you get a few upsets and you know we'll all look at the bracket and you can you like go back to Antalya and look at uh, look at the scores from one half of the bracket when we got to the final sixteen to the other yeah one was extremely strong
3: the other no, no, was no. incredibly weak yeah. and, true I mean and and I've seen in I'm talking about a couple of years ago. But I've seen, for instance, Martin Dumbsbo just broke the world record, and then ranked number one up against number 64, lost the match. It yeah. happens. It's, it's, you know, I, I'm not wild about
0: the whole protect the top eight thing, mm-hmm. honestly, because I think they have the disadvantage of kind of coming in cold. It's better now because it's separate. Yeah. Different right. days. Yeah. Right, But back in the day, I mean, originally when they were doing it, when they were doing it, in, yeah. you know. And get the somebody, other
3: guy had had a few matches. Two, he'd won it
0: yeah. maybe two matches and yeah. then boom, you know, yeah. it, not so hot. But yeah, now it's better as, as Steve just alluded
3: yeah, to. Yeah, the, the, the program now seems to suit the archers better. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> From a consensus standpoint, I you know, archers are going to do whatever the round is. Yeah. But they might complain about it late at night or on the internet or somewhere else. Yep. But at the end of the day, everybody's going to get up there. Steve, you're going to get up there. You're going to shoot 50 meters. You're going to score your arrows and and let the chips fall where they will, which honestly have been pretty good for you in the last you know couple, year or so. And, you know, um, you've been dominant this year on the U.S. standings and number one as of the beginning of this past event in the World Cup standings, which is absolutely not anything to turn your nose up at. It's huge.
1: Yeah. It uh, so, has been a know, good year.
0: You might not be you might not be enamored of the round, but you handle it well, and I think everybody well, does. You know,
1: I mean, that fact of the matter
0: is anyone who's
1: competing who has the capability of winning and winning regularly, they're always gonna. We're all gonna want to see it play in a in a way that we think is a either most favorable to us, and I'm gonna go home alone here and go two is most fair to those who are truly best. Or D, sorry, I don't have a third. I just want to do the A two D from Home Alone. It's all good if, if you've ever seen the movie. <laughs> but no, we all we all kind of want to see it done in the way that we think is best and would be fair and probably plays to our favor. Sure, you know? and
0: you know the fact is though that you know for some people, what plays to your favor isn't going to play to theirs, and they're going to fight it. Right, whatever. So, um, outcome from this week, Uh, you know, just the fallout. Uh, Looking at the World Cup standings, headed to Berlin, which is uh, the final ranking event before Rome, which is the finals. Uh, In the compounds, you and Stefan Hansen uh, kind of traded places. Stefan is now number one, not just for the World Cup, but also he's the number one ranked male compound competitor in the world right now, which he was coming into this. Yeah. He, yeah. And you are number two right now for the World Cup. Rio Wild is third. Mike Schluser is fourth after winning this event. His he event? needed a big event, didn't he, Dean? Because, yep. you know, Mike was uh, basically off the chart. He was in 30th place or so coming into this thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he was a and he's not bit unlucky for, at the beginning of he's still the season. He
0: still got to do well in Berlin, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: He, uh, he shot against Stefan in the round of 16, I think, at... Uh Shanghai. Uh, Shanghai. Shanghai.
0: yeah yep and Stefan beat him obviously yeah. so so that put him down a bit yeah it was put know. him out
1: a little early but I mean you, if you can come in if you can have one good event one pretty good event and one decent event you can often make it yeah, yeah. And, so, and there's
0: a few people who are locked I mean Stefan Hansen is locked right now no other compound man is is locked per yeah so. um it, you know and it looks like it looks like Sergio is no longer in the top uh seven. Which means no Italians in the top seven, which means you're basically shooting for seven slots plus one, right? That's the way that goes?
1: Um, yes. So yeah. be, you, you got to figure you got to make top seven. Top seven. Top, yeah.
0: And then. So um, just running down the list, we've got uh, Stefan Hansen number one, Steve Anderson second, Rio Wild is third, Mike Schluser is fourth, PJ Deloche is fifth, uh, Choi Young-hee of Korea is sixth, Chinese Taipei shooter Chen Xiang siong is number six. He's tied with Mr. Choi. Braden Galantine and Bridger Deaton are tied for eighth.
1: Yeah, and the other factor that, for anyone who doesn't know, is you only get two per country. Right. So Bridger is not on our team for the fourth one, so he's eliminated. Um, so that's
0: yeah, that's automatic. Who is on, who is your fourth man? Do you know?
1: It's Chris Schaff. So okay. It's Rio, Braden, and I, and Chris okay. Schaff, and Chris Schaff. Yeah. So we'll shoot our our world championship team, which but that is, means
0: it's out of reach for Chris Schaff too. Yeah, if he you can. guys have a reasonable turn. No,
1: he could he could win and only have twenty five points and not make it. So right, it, it's. For us, what it likely comes down to is Rio, Braden, and I, whoever beats the others. You know, you got to be, if one of us, the third man is probably out. Yeah. Regardless of, you know, well, third man is for sure out regardless of ranking. But I should say the top two of us three are probably in. Yes, because
0: you're high enough in that seating that unless you have, you know, something that we don't want to even think about happen, then. You know that's that's pretty much but again not locked yeah compound women now you've got two women locked you got sarah lopez and sarah sonikson yep yeah, yeah. um they're locked everybody else it's still up for grabs sarah Priels and tanya Jensen and andrea marcos and then uh, parisa barachi from india india and then you've got uh chen yi Xian of chinese taipei and uh, a couple of koreans in eighth and ninth place kim yun-hee and song yun-su I think, I think toy allison's right yeah. behind
3: i think paris was from paris says from iran i think ah. if i'm not, if i'm correct no so. you might be right
0: yeah yeah you are right yeah. as a matter of fact um, i misidentified the flag mm-hmm. so um you know that's a, a interesting situation two locks five still open spaces recurve women um, Chang Jin of Korea, no surprise there. She's qualified. She's got the queue by her name for the uh, for this thing, and that's it. That's that's all. That's all. Yeah. And then Xenia Perova, who's got a good shot at this if she shoots reasonably well. I mean, she brother. made some big steps. Ksenia. Yeah, yeah. What's well, actually, that? the Russians in general. The Russians, yeah, winning yeah. Winning,
3: the, winning the team around here in the men's. I'm
0: putting up. money on Tanya Ting to make this one. Oh yeah, and I'll bet Kibo Bay. And
2: yeah. then
0: after that, you've got Alicia Marin of Spain, who appeared that's in it. the finals.
3: Did pretty well. Is, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, Audrey Adedison of France, uh Li Chenying of Chinese Taipei, Lin Sietzia of Chinese Taipei, one of those has got to go. If yeah. uh if uh, Miss Tan stays where she is, I think Hayakawa Ren is going to catch a slot for Japan. Um I think that unless Choi Masoon just completely crushes everybody. Yeah. I think Hayakawa Ren's got this uh got this slot for Japan. For the recurve men, Brady Elson's qualified and that's it. After that, you've got Im Dong Hyung and Kim Woo Jin. Um, I think they're going to be the two Koreans on this thing. Oh Jin Hyuk is going to have a hard time catching he's up to those guys fun, yeah. unless he has a fantastic Berlin, yep. which he's got in him. He could do it. But he did drop quite a bit yeah, in this particular he's, event. Uh, he's uh, time. I
3: mean, I, I've seen him make progress this year. So he shot better than, than in, in Shanghai for sure. Yeah. But who and he, He's happy about his shooting. Im so. Dong
0: Hyung, my word. I mean you could never yes. put you can never say yes, yeah. this guy but Kim woo Jin I shooting mean, a seven in the final. What? <laughs> Steve? I mean it's a little
3: tricky Kim, at times. Kim Woo-jin would no, probably shoot
1: overused word in is I don't
0: think I don't think it was windy enough to really make it tricky for either of those two. Here's guys. the
1: thing, they couldn't feel the wind. They were so True.
0: protected by the, by the building that if a gust came up, instinctually,
1: if you feel that gust, you know what to do. But I agree. if you can't feel it But a seven happens eh. seven's really not that bad in recurve i've seen a lot worse okay I, <laughs> I <don't laughs> i've seen a lot worse that.
3: out of koreans
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, not often um, um then g- g- john King charles valedon and i think jc will be in this thing
3: yeah i mean in and steph uh chef van der Burke and steve weiler they both still have a chance yeah so agreed chance. and
0: so does um so does a uh, way chung yeah of chinese, chinese Pei, yeah. wild card for me right now is probably david pasqualucci hmm well, he's, he's, he's bubbling the Italian. down there. He's 9th. He's, yeah. he, he, the Ital- he made, he made he top some big Italian, steps, Well, not. he's the top Italian right now, yeah. so I think he's going to be in there. But Mauro Nespoli's they, got a shot at this. Well, their
1: their federation
0: also selects it. I That's believe, true. They do so pick. They so so, they so politics comes yeah, into play. There's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah and, and, and optics, right? Optics. I mean, they might say, hey, you know what? We want our Olympic champion in there. And they might they might give the slot to, uh, Marco to our Roberto. boy from 04,
3: you know? Uh, yeah. Galeazzo.
0: yeah, Marco Galeazzo. Yeah. So,
3: all right. Yeah, it's tough to say. But
0: So what's the venue like in Berlin from your understanding? Excuse me? In Berlin, what do you expect the venue is going to be like?
3: I have no idea. I haven't seen any drawings yet. Uh, so, I mean, they they did a great job in Leipzig in 07. Yeah, but the geography is not and, the same. Uh, exactly. So yeah. I have It'll no be idea. warm. It'll be nice. It'll be Very good nice. weather. Yep.
0: Um, could be windy,
3: potentially. Potentially, yeah, but not as windy as
0: say the beach in Turkey.
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but I'm I'm not afraid of, of them. No, and it's an experience. So,
0: yeah. Experienced organizing committee. They yep. did some of their events, and uh, this should be a good one. So,
3: all right, I believe so.
0: All right, we've got a bunch of Facebook questions to get to if we're going to wrap this up inside of one hour. So let's do so. Um, we do have, uh, in a little while, we're going to plug in a uh, an interview that I did during this past week with Dick Tone. Mm-hmm. So we can't take live question for Dick Tone, but we're going to talk to Dick Tone a little bit about his shooting philosophy and about some other stuff, and, and that will be coming up in the show. So for those of you with questions for Dick Tone, sorry, but Dick's not actually here for this part of the podcast. We've got a pre-taped interview with him coming up shortly. Okay, here we go. Joshua Moore is following up from his previous question, Steve, uh, after asking such a simple question about the magical arrow length last time. What he meant to ask was, for a compound archer, how do you decide the optimal length for an arrow? As close to the blade as possible, an inch of shaft in front of the blade, et cetera, when you're at full draw. That's really what he was trying to figure out.
1: I would say start about an inch in front of the riser and and cut down as needed.
0: So in front of the riser, so you've got some extra to play with. Yeah,
1: at the end of this, past the shelf.
0: All righty. Hopefully that helps. Because
1: there's no optimal length in terms of where it's located physically. I mean, like the point, you know, There's that, that doesn't come into play.
0: Matt Zolman uh, recently set up a new dozen 500X10s within the recommended range on the Easton arrow chart. 44 pounds, 29.5-inch draw. At 70 meters, he says, <clears throat> I'm going to repeat this. At 70 meters, he says, the bear shaft is showing weak, landing in the two-ring to the right. But the fletched arrows are flying just fine as to his current ability. He understands there's lots of variables that affect arrow spine, but it has him wondering how modern-day material and design affect that spine, and how to account for this when selecting arrows. Matt, either turn your bow half, down half a turn or stop trying to bear shaft at 70 meters would be my first advice. Yeah, I'd probably do it at very, 30, right? Very unforgiving setup. I mean, just don't do that. There's no point to it. Go ahead and go to 30 meters and, and be happy. Seriously.
1: I've never seen, like when the Olympian people come in here, uh, for instance, we had Aida Roman here. She bear shaft tuned at 30 meters. Yeah. And... I will say, if I remember right, she didn't necessarily want her bear shaft to impact the same as her flat shaft. Yeah, she was sure looking for a certain impact point.
0: Yeah. Yep. And Dean, you've worked with a lot of shooters, and I've worked with a lot of shooters. Mm-hmm. Very few shooters actually want the bear shaft to impact in the goal at 70, yeah. If they're for the few people who really do who that. Who really
3: can do that, yeah.
0: And and the vast majority are, are going 30 meters by the book and living with yep and and that's handy because you don't have to worry about the wind or the effect of the wind the very slightest amount of which will affect a bear shaft profoundly Yep. not to mention have you done a french tune Matt you know have you have you done a walk back all that stuff comes
3: into play I mean what I usually do is start indoors if if we have the opportunity to shoot 30-25 meters indoors and that's where I do the bear shaft tuning and because like you say outside if there's just the slightest wind yeah
0: Uh, Bailey Smith, Steve Anderson, can you talk about your thought process when you are in the last rounds of a perfect 30x or 60x round? Can you give advice on how to keep negative thoughts out about not wanting to miss?
1: Hmm. I probably – I mean, I never think about don't miss.
0: No, because the last thing your mind sees is the word miss. Yeah. Therefore, it's along the lines of shoot a strong shot or – Something positive that activates the shot. Nothing to do with missing right. or hitting nope. or any of that.
1: I'll try to break it down to something simple, like you know, keep a strong bow arm, or work through the release, move or the elbow. Whatever. Yeah, it's just a you. You simplify it because you. If the minute you try to do something, I mean, you've you you've gotten there already. What were you doing the whole time? You know, your, was your brain off or? Or what you know? Were you were you focused on something specific? It's hard to say because every round is a little different, depending on how you're feeling, how you're shooting, how you're aiming. So, um, most important is you you want to slow down a touch, but at the same time you want to work quickly. So, what I mean there is, you know, it's okay to take another half breath between. Uh, you know, loading an arrow and and drawing back or, or whatever, um, but don't don't get to full draw and, and over aim and or or anything like that. You know, just try to get the arrow off and and uh, don't do anything out of the norm. Don't rush yourself
0: between. Shoot the shot that you got that you've been shooting that got you to this point to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, don't go changing stuff just because you're about to shoot a different score. It's one arrow at a time. All right. Uh, Paul Hatch. Hey, George and Steve. Thanks for all the great podcasts and info. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate having you uh, listen. Uh, just a question about Fat Boys and the SuperDrive 23. What's the biggest difference? Which one would you prefer and why? All right. The biggest difference between the Fat Boy and the SuperDrive 23, mass weight
1: mm-hmm. is
0: the biggest difference. The yep. SuperDrive is lighter.
1: Considerably lighter.
0: Now, the Fat Boy was engineered to handle Stramit, which is a specific type of European target, but that's about as hard as... This desk and the Superdrive 23 is also engineered to handle that type of material. But we were able to refine over the you know, it's been about 10 years since we developed the Fat Boy. More, yeah, we were able to refine things. And the Superdrive 23 is pretty much the pinnacle of carbon technology right now, which sounds like a whole bunch of marketing BS. But the reality is, it's a lighter arrow that's just as strong as a Fat Boy, if not stronger. All right, right. And so, um, the benefit is that the SuperDrive23 lets you have more FOC with the same overall shaft weight for shooting 3D and for shooting outdoors, or uh, load it up and make it work indoors with lighter bow, or, you know, it's a very versatile arrow, that's mm-hmm. the point. And it's World Archery compliant, uh, both the Fat Boy and the SuperDrive23, of course. So that's the benefit of the SuperDrive23 over the Fat Boy. Fat Fatboy's a very tough arrow, strong, but a little heavier, SuperDrive 23, lower lock time, a little less chance to mess things up as it leaves the bow. You know, overall, a better shaft in, in just about every way. It's straighter than we specify you or know, straighter than we advertise generally and good quality and all that happy stuff. Um, what spine would work best on the Super Drive 23 for a Pro elite, 62 pounds, 29-inch draw? I don't have any experience with anything over 60 pounds because that's maximum world archery weight, but I'm going to say... That if you're using a 340 Fat Boy with a hundred grain point, you're probably going to be okay with the equivalent in a Super Drive.
1: Yeah, he's worried about the uh, 340 Fat Boy being a little stiff, and I'd say, yeah, it probably is a little stiff. But you could go to the 375; you'll be fine. Yeah, it's not a big change in spine. I mean, you're talking 35
0: thou, which is and it's a lighter a compound, shaft, so it'll end up shooting slightly yeah, stiffer for
1: a compound that that lighter. Or, excuse me, a 35 thou difference is not much.
0: It's a lot from shaft to shaft, which is why we hold extremely tight tolerances. But when you're talking one setup to another, yeah, yeah you, can, you can make it work. Um, so that hopefully helps you out there, Paul. Uh, Sarah wants a question for Dick Tone, which, uh, Sarah, this is going to come up momentarily in our, in our interview with Dick Tone. Your question is um, understanding better what he means by rhythm and timing. He understands focus. She understands focus in terms of Dick Tone's mantra of focus, rhythm, and timing. But um, the the question then becomes, uh, what does it mean, you know, in terms of uh, focus, uh, or excuse me, rhythm and timing? And so Dick will explain that. Um, David Cousins, not a question so much. The David Cousins from the UK. Yeah. But But. Um, We were talking about combining your love of golf and archery. And so David wants to know, have you ever considered giving archery golf a go? It's pretty much a game of golf, but with a bow and arrow instead of clubs and a ball. They do that here in Utah. They do. I will never do it. Okay. Stefania Sam. Who was kind enough to give me a pronouncer for her name, but I, I you'd be surprised how familiar I am with the name Stefania. So um, she said thanks for the podcast. Uh, out of curiosity, she noticed a weight dip in the ACE chart. Grains per inch go up until 720. At 670, there's a dip from 6.4 to 5.9. Why? Um, the answer is because that's when the the shaft shifts from uh, one modulus of carbon to another. It shifts from one specific stiffness of carbon. To another, X10 arrows are all made with the same stiffness of carbon, mm. but Aces, being an older technology, use actually three different carbon stiffnesses to achieve different sizes. So that's yeah, why that's why you see that. Uh, our friend Sammy in Finland wants to uh, say that it would be great if Linda and Steve got to compete against each other in a mixed team event, or would that lead to family disputes? No disputes as long as I win. <laughs> Rob Wallace, with an office next to Isaac's, what brand of noise-canceling headphones does George recommend? Clearly, Rob Wallace knows Isaac. Yeah. Uh, there are no uh, headphones that would solve that problem. But uh, when Isaac I, puts his in, he gets pretty quiet. Yes, he does. I, I have some Sure SE535s, 37 dB noise reduction. You can shoot a pistol with them, no problem. But that has nothing to do with Isaac, mind you. <laughs> uh, this one's for you, Dino comes from our good friend Charlie Burgess Charlotte Burgess and the Burgess. UK, the top archer for many years an Olympian um, I know Charlotte we all do and uh, so what is your favorite photo ever first question
3: oh I have I have several I probably one of the photos there weren't even archers in the photo just targets and uh, mountains as a backdrop this was uh, taken I think 2011 something like in the, in Ogden. In Ogden. Okay. Yeah, the one in Ogden. I oh, familiar with that photo. photo. I was, I was yeah. there early in the morning and there was no one on the field. There was a little bit of mist in the air. Yep. And yeah. then there was the field was like completely empty and the sun was exactly in the right position. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a great that was, photo. Was one of my favorite I have to admit, photos.
0: Yeah. One of one of my favorite photos that you've taken is a similar photo but with the Mayapan pyramids from 2006. From
3: 2000. Yeah, with the, I, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it all, it all, my favorite photos usually depend on the position of the sun and, and how sure. it reflects yeah. on targets or backdrop. You also got
0: some great ones in Copenhagen last year with that backdrop of the uh, Royal Palace. There. Yeah, c- well,
3: Copenhagen is, is definitely in, in one of my top three photographed events. And, and, yeah.
0: What would you say was the toughest event that you had to photograph overall? Overall. Athens, maybe? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Okay. I w- I,
3: unfortunately I wasn't in Athens, but I would say so much white marble is what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. Of. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, Athens is just before you started. I just yeah, realized. Was, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, there was a dumb question. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, it, it, it's hard to say. I mean, there are several events that were challenging. I mean, sometimes I had to shoot up, shoot against the sun, which makes it a little more difficult. But, but I've
0: seen you use that artistically too to create silhouettes.
3: I mean you gotta use what you have but it's uh it i I, I like the challenges so it's it's there, there isn't any really hard event so
0: all right yeah. and then Charlotte wants to know um 2017 season so far you got a favorite question there
3: mm-hmm uh the one from Mikey, probably, at, the, at yeah. this event, at the, past, at the last week. So, And if people want to take a look at that, they can look at your website, which is? Uh, they could go to uh, dutchtarget.com.
0: dutchtarget.com. And they, then if you get to the dutchtarget.com and it's that big web page, not the black smug mug one, there's a link at the bottom. There's a link the at photos. the bottom
3: to the photo album, yeah. And or they go to the worldarchery.org right. the website. And there's right. also a quick link right. to the photo album.
0: OK.
1: Um, I'm remembering now how many great photos I lost when uh, my phone died. Oh yeah, because I wasn't an iCloud guy. Yeah, I am now an iCloud guy. I will pay. You know what happened?
0: Your photos are safe now.
1: I only had like what you get like five gigs of memory, and yes. it was all. Um, I don't know in what fact, was. I think it's two. Yeah, so I don't know what what would, was going to iCloud, but it was not
0: photos. So it's probably backups up your phone. Yeah,
3: Well, well, I, I've learned kind of learned the hardware as well. So before every event I go, I make a backup of my phone.
0: And don't let French PR people pull the memory stick, the memory out, stick of out of the camera computer. while yep. it's still downloading. Yeah, never mm. it. There's a story behind that one.
1: Yeah. I'm all about the iCloud now, although yeah. waiting for iPhone 8, I'm pretty pumped.
0: Darren Lim um, said he's disappointed he didn't get to get a picture with you, Steve. Uh, his children wanted a picture with him. He he came all the way from Singapore to uh, attend the event. Uh, he came for business to Salt Lake and, and was able to get to the event. Uh, his children wanted a picture to see how much larger you are than he is. So uh, he hopes to see you next time he's at an event. But this is my favorite question ever, and you too, and some of you listeners will know why. Um, it says... You know, Mr. Lim says, hi, George and Mr. Steve. I was in Salt Lake City for business and able to attend the World Cup at your facility. It's so nice. But the announcer's behavior was shocking to me. In Singapore, I've never seen an announcer speak while the archers are shooting. It seemed very rude to me to see this happen so many times.
1: Oh, I saw Sarah Lopez give you a dirty look, too. It seems so very
0: rude to me to see this happen so many times. And at a World Cup stage, is this normal behavior? This is the first event I've attended outside of Singapore, so maybe it is. But I would have had a hard time shooting in those conditions. Thank you for your time, sincerely, Darren. I think the best part is
1: he doesn't have a shirt on in his profile pic. Yeah,
0: that's an awesome one. That's an awesome profile pic. But, uh, Darren, I hate to break it to you. I was the announcer. And, yes, this is how it's done since 1991. So... I don't know what to say, if, even if Sarah gave me a bad look. Generally speaking, uh, the archers, what do you think, Dean?
3: I mean, they've gotten used to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all part of the show now. Yeah, so that's a- the
0: thing. It's part of the sport presentation yeah. package, what, what World Archery calls sport presentation. So the archers, most of the archers I've spoken to say they never hear it. The other ones, you know, honestly, if they're if they are hearing it, they're not focused and it's it's for the audience and one thing we definitely don't try to do is mess any mess around with anybody yeah. while they're shooting um but we are trying to give information to the uh to the spectators the volunteers the vips who are there got a lot of vips at these events that maybe aren't archery people uh we've had ioc presidents and you know people of that caliber at these events uh, Prime ministers from countries
3: sports and, ministers uh, whatever know, yeah. uh,
0: royal families and yep. that sort of thing and, and none of them are aware of what the sport is but they've all like, emphasized that they enjoyed it more because somebody was able to tell them what was going on so um i understand your point darren but um generally speaking i i've quite frankly in 27 years of doing that for world archery i've never had any really negative feedback about it so and i'm sure <laughs> dean would tell me or steve would tell me,
1: I like the guy's uh, um,
0: shirtless pic. I mean, right, I, I think you. there's a there's maybe we should Photoshop a picture of you uh, n- with his pic there, and you can send it to his family because he wanted a picture of you.
1: I'll say this: there is a time and a place, I think, to announce. Um, you know, and and full draw. Yeah, I think it's okay. I mean, you, I don't think you while
0: be, pulling through the clicker, which is where right, I was,
1: you should be cutting off at a certain point. Absolutely. Um. I would say at an event like Vegas where it's not uh, alternate shooting and there's multiple people at full Mm -hmm, draw at any given time, that's probably where you'd want to save any commentary until there's a certain break in the action. Yeah.
0: Now, then again, we have some cases where we are doing commentary on one particular match while other matches are going on. Generally, there's a TV match, for example, and we're doing commentary on a TV match. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, that would be – yeah, they kind of stopped doing that a little bit at Vegas. But, yeah, four or five years ago at the World Cup final indoors, yeah, there was the match in the center while yeah. the other yep. matches were going There's on. there would be up to four, four matches going on yeah, at the Yeah, that's time. different, and yeah. that's just kind of part yeah. of it at that point.
0: I think I really like what we've done since 2012 in the Olympic Games, which is where every match gets its own individual call. Everybody gets to see those two archers mm-hmm. for yep. that. In my mind, the worst thing was 2008 when half the field – was in a completely separate stadium in in uh, Beijing, so we never even got yeah, to see yeah,
3: there two two arenas and uh, you had yeah, a, we never even a got, got to see venue. those folks. Yeah, and some of them, yeah, it's it's. So you had
0: the A venue, which had you know thousands of screaming people and the whole nine yards, yeah. and the B venue, which was basically some bleachers and and you know and nothing, and it was you know some of my friends were in the B venue, and I was sorry I no, didn't no, get to yeah, see. No,
3: I know, I know what you mean. Uh, it it was even hard for me.
0: Oh yeah, you had to run Even back and forth too.
3: I, I was working together with uh, Yoshi, yeah. the, the Japanese photographer, and we decided up front like, okay, you're going to take the B arena till the till the afternoon. Yeah, I'm you guys decided a you we scheduled just it. A bit. Yeah. And sometimes I just sneaked into the other arena because yeah. one of my friends or someone of interest was shooting and so no it, uh, yeah.
0: Hey, I will, uh, I will go back to uh, mentioning that uh, we had lots of uh, friends come into town during this event, and one of those is my coach, Dick Tone. So we're going we're gonna to take a moment here to uh, catch up with him on the field of play, get his views on what's been going on, and uh, we'll be back. So as we record this, we're here with Dick Tone at the uh, Eastern Archery Center in Salt Lake City. In the uh, interlude between morning and afternoon sessions at the World Cup, third stage here in Utah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a remarkable thing to be able to come to one of these events and see all of these shooters from around the world. And, Dick, you've had that opportunity as a coach for many years now. You've coached dozens, literally, of teams that have gone around the world. And today you're coaching for Canada. Correct. But no matter who you're coaching, there's always some difference between individual coaching and coaching a team That is, as an individual coach, preparing somebody to go to one of these events versus what you do when you get here.
4: That's true. And, you know, part of the problem is... uh you know when they go or come here from canada or they're coming from china or whatever you know the whole thing is different when they get here so it's not like being at home not at all and uh so they have to get used to the venue and they get used to the climate and the food and all the rest of it uh canada's a little better because they didn't come so far so that's that's the first thing you you think about when you're working with a team
0: so acclimatizing them
4: exactly exactly and and you see a lot of teams these days will come in, you know, a week and sometimes two weeks ahead of time to get, you know, get the time travel and, you know, uh, all that taken care of, you know. Sure.
0: And here in Salt Lake, for example, we're at 1,400 meters elevation. Right. And for some people, I'd say actually a majority of the folks here are from sea level countries.
4: I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, quite a few of them are. And so there's a certain amount of uh, acclimatization that's needed for that too.
4: That's true. That's true. So.
0: so that's the first thing you tend to. Let's talk about what happens when people are, are on the field of play. For those people out there who might be prospective coaches who might aspire to being in your shoes someday, how do you handle the fact that you really don't want to change somebody's form in the middle of a tournament?
4: yeah that's that's kind of a tough one you, unless you see something really really going bad. I mean that's the one thing you don't do is you know you try to keep them on track, try to keep their rhythm and timing up you try to keep them positive and thinking the right way uh, and that's probably the, the the most important
0: thing and in fact I would I would contend that and I think you'll agree let's find out mm-hmm. I would contend that the biggest job of the coach has nothing to do with form as it has to do with mental management.
4: Oh for sure that I, I agree that hundred percent, you know, and I see a lot of coaches out here and in a lot of tournaments, they're going around, they're fixing this, they're fixing that. And they're, they're helping there. You know, and, and I'll go, wait a minute. You know, if you, if you haven't found it before you get here, you probably won't find it here, you know?
0: Exactly. So, you know, you, um, it's a difficult thing sometimes to be a team coach because maybe you haven't worked with the individuals that are involved as, as closely as you would say, you know, as my coach, you worked very closely with me and, you could tell if, you know, what my mood was, or you could give me a specific piece of advice that I could immediately apply. It's a little harder with people that you don't work with all the time.
4: True, because there's underlying personalities and, you know, cultural changes and stuff like that that, that you have to deal with. So you, you, you got to be very observant, and I think probably, you know— as a coach and most of the coaches out there, good coaches, they're very observant. They know what's going on they can read body language. Uh, they can read what's going on with the, the person mentally just by look at their, their movements. So that's, uh, that's the mental part is so great. Yeah.
0: So general advice for a coach coming to one of these things, maybe for the first time, um, what can they do to prepare?
4: I think the most important thing is, is to, if you can, learn your athletes as well as you can before you get here. Uh, if you don't have that opportunity, then the best thing you can do is to stay out of their way and let them shoot.
0: I think that's that sums it up pretty well, doesn't it?
4: It does. I mean, you've you got too many, you know, most of them will have some sort of a personal coach uh, that they work with all the time. Not often is that the team coach. It, It is in Canada in some ways, but uh, in most of your your teams, they have individual coaches that got them there in the first place. So it's hard to take over for that. So the best thing to do is either contact that coach, talk to them a little bit, find out what that coach works on with them, and then, you know, try to keep them positive.
0: You know, I have the impression that it depends on the country, mind you, but I've seen some coaches apply that better than others. That's true. And I think we can talk about some pitfalls that we've both observed, perhaps. Oh yeah. As as things to avoid, perhaps.
4: The, the, there's a lot of things to avoid. That's for sure, you know. But uh, I, I, you know, I think the negative reinforcement coaching aspect of it is just not something that works with archery.
0: And yet we see it from from time to time. We not do. necessarily among the most successful countries, but no. we do see it from time to time. We do, we do. And I think that that's. Um, it's definitely a disservice to yeah. the shooter and, and uh, you know, ultimately to that coach.
4: Yeah, a lot of times it's not what you say, but how you say it.
0: How you say it, exactly. Mm-hmm. So positivity, right? That's absolutely, so important. Absolutely,
4: absolutely. And, and as, a, as a coach or as an athlete, that's one thing every morning you have, you know, totally is, is one thing you can come up, come away with every morning, and that's attitude.
0: And your attitude is based upon your behavior to a large extent. Exactly. You know, the things you do can adjust your attitude. Right.
4: Your your, your your body language as a coach can affect the archers, you know, how you talk to them, how you actually, you know, the, the facial expressions, you know, all that kind of stuff can mean a lot or can hurt a lot.
0: You know, I recently saw somebody on social media critical or actually making fun of a team that had, you know, in a team round, been exchanging high fives for every shot, no matter what the value of the shot was. I think that person's missing the point of that mental exercise of reinforcement.
4: Yeah, they that's probably something that they worked on. And that's probably something they brought to the tournament. I don't think they just made it up when they got here. You I know? think
0: it's an important part of a team round is that you are supporting your teammates. Right. And how you display that may be... You know, not just for yourselves within the team, but also it's a display to the external factors, the other team as well.
4: Yeah, and I think the other thing when you're talking about, you know, a team is making sure that they're prepared when they come to the field, Uh, whether it's, you know, having a... uh, Uh, you know, a list of of items that need to bring or find out from, you know, the team manager, what's, what the, uh, what the schedule is. I mean, all that's very important. And, and I know that, uh, you know, Joan over here with uh, Canadians, she does a great job of that. I mean, everything is just detailed right down to the, you know, to the minute.
0: That's an important point, isn't it? I mean, it's not just what happens on the field. It's getting them there. Exactly. And also the experience when they get to the, uh, the, the hotel organizing transport from the, airport, all of those things can affect the mindset of the team, can't they?
4: They sure sure can.
0: And so the coach is more than just a coach on the field. It's also a bit of a manager for other stuff.
4: Yeah, you're going to spend, you know, as a coach, you're going to spend a week with them or maybe 10 days. It could be longer, depending on if it's a world championships or Olympics or whatever. I mean, it could be forever, you know, so you, you really have to be on your toes to keep everybody going the right direction.
0: I'm lucky enough to have heard a few stories from you over time, and I'm going to bring up a couple of them just to see if we oh, can <laughs> talk, <yeah. laughs> talk about ways to cope. In one of your previous teams that you managed, that you coached, um, you were in a very hot, humid climate. Correct. And the archers were, I'll say, stubborn about water intake. How do you deal with that?
4: Yeah, we were in Brazil and uh, and it was, you know.
0: See, I wasn't going to say where because that'll kind of pinpoint who was involved. But anyway. Well, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. At
4: this point, you know. It was a long time uh, ago. And the archers didn't realize the humidity and how high it was and how hot it was, you know, and we tried to force feed them water, I mean, it's like, you know, you need to drink. Well I'm not thirsty, but by the time you're thirsty it's, it's too, too late. late. So start drinking, keep drinking. And there were a couple of girls and I don't remember if they were from Puerto Rico or where they were from, but uh, they were drinking coke and not water and it, uh, it a heavily
0: got... sugared drink of any kind's bad right. news in that weather, isn't
4: exactly. it? Exactly. And what ended up one of them ended up passing out on the line, the other one got you know, so dizzy she couldn't get up and shoot. So, and these are
0: folks from uh, if let's say that they're from Puerto Rico, a warm climate up to begin with. Exactly. So they should be kind of used to it.
4: And we had a really really hot day here uh, yesterday and uh, on the line, and there were you know people were just really going through the water. So everybody's pretty well aware of it.
0: Yeah. So. But what kind of strategies do you use when you have a recalcitrant archer? <laughs> well,
4: the best thing you can do is you know, explain to them what's happening to their body, you know? I
0: suppose you really have to know the person first in order to come up with a strategy, too. Y-
4: you do. And the personality, sometimes there is no <laughs> changing. They're going to do what they're going to do. So
0: so uh, I guess you just do what you can and, and, and hope for the best if it's somebody who's really <laughs> stubborn. Exactly. All right. Dick, I'm going to shift gears and let's talk about equipment needs on the field of play versus, you know, regular, everyday shooting. Um, do you do you have a list of necessities that you think a shooter and or a coach should have at their disposal in a major competition well obviously a backup bow yeah but, you know, obviously
4: you know the equipment with a backup bow and all the rest of that most of your archers you know they they when they're on the line here at the world cup they're either sponsored or they're they get stuff from their cu- country so they come here with enough arrows and backup Finger tabs and what, whatever it happens to be. So that list is, you know, probably been built up over the years. So to say you got to have this or you got to have that, that's pretty hard to do because it's individual. Um, you know, as a, as a coach, you're going to have to have good optics and be able to use them and be able to transport them, and sometimes that's tough to do. So
0: yeah, especially with uh, big spotting scopes and tripods and all the other paraphernalia. That's not to mention all the clothes you're going to need for 10 days, maybe the tools that you're going to bring along, uh, who knows what else. It's, it can be a big load. It's true.
4: So that's true.
0: So, so good optics are obviously a good requirement there. Um, what about a toolkit? kit? You, you believe in bringing one along?
4: Well, it depends on the tournament, you know. Uh, but for a World Cup, most of the guys and gals already have a toolkit. They have everything they need. Backup rests, for example, or even rest wires or whatever. I I may bring a few things, but nothing, you know, extensive. Now, for like a U.S. Nationals where I have a bunch of kids going or something like that, yeah, I'll bring a toolkit because they don't know what to bring in a lot of cases. Off
0: the top of your head, can you name some of the stuff that would be in a toolkit for you?
4: Well, okay. You know, we'd have uh, extra finger tab maybe or two, some finger slings, uh, maybe an arm guard or two uh you know definitely arrow rests uh cushion plungers uh different screws nuts and bolts and and of course you know hex keys that kind of stuff
0: and super glue and duct tape
4: and bailing wire
0: bailing wire i'll (laughs) tell you what more tournaments have been saved by bailing wire than probably any other ingredient true all right Dick. hey i want to thank you for joining us for the podcast and uh, we'll look forward to a longer discussion with you in the near future Talking about general coaching philosophy and other topics. Thanks again, Dick we Tone. Can coaching Canada here today, but my personal coach for many years, and of course the coach of most many of the most successful American archers in history, including Jay Bars and many others. Thank you, Dick. Thank you. Well, it's always great to talk to Dick Tone and uh, get his insight on on these things. You know, now he's coaching Canada and he's been part of this sport for so many years. Yeah, the tremendous knowledge base there, and uh, always interesting to
3: hear his point of view.
0: Dean, any other any other thoughts uh, before we close out regarding this past week in Salt Lake?
3: No, I mean it was a great event as as expected, and uh, thank you guys for having me over. It's, it's been a pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's always always awesome to have you around. So thank you. Wish wish we could see you more often. Um, you know, we talk quite a bit, but it's it's great to have you here. You got more golf in the uh, in the agenda?
3: I got some golfing this morning with uh, Jay Bars. Oh well, gee, there are worse people to play golf with. <laughs> I know. And who won?
0: I'd give Jay this one this time all right Steve any uh, any thoughts about this past week I, I know it was a uh, not your best not your favorite event from the standpoint of performance but uh, any thoughts about um, about that whole thing
1: no um, I have no thoughts okay <laughs>
0: well what's your strategy for getting ready for Berlin
1: um, you know what? I actually got kind of pissed off. I think I should be on the, the final stage more often, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start practicing.
0: Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with practice <laughs> once in a while. I think maybe it's, after all, what most people do.
1: You know, I think uh, I'm going to try to get the bow weight up a little bit. So I'm going to start adding a little weight. You know, look at what Mike's Mass doing. Weight. Yeah, look at what yeah. Mike's doing with 30 ounces on the front bar. Okay, and he's got you know what another twelve underneath his hand, and then so let me ask you eighteen about that. or so on the side.
0: Let me ask you about that. I mean, you know, Rio's got a ton of weight. Mike's got a ton of weight, uh, mass weight on the uh, front bar, and their posture has mm-hmm. had a slight adjustment for it. Do you expect you're going to end up changing your form a little bit to accommodate it, or are you?
1: No, I mean, I, I can. I have a, quite a bit of weight on there as is right now, um, and I handle it fine. I think, and that's with pretty minimal practice i think just a matter of shoot a bit more condition myself to it uh, i'm strong enough to hold it yeah I, i'm I'm, pr- I'm going to go out on a limb and say that i'm physically stronger than both of them
0: i won't argue that i don't think either they would argue that either i mean that's that's nope. kind of <laughs> that would be a real thing remind me not to get in a fight with you <laughs> um yeah. congratulations to linda winning uh that uh Team round, that yeah. makes team? Team silver. Team silver still. It's yep.
1: a medal. Yeah, they shot pretty well. Yeah.
0: And I think that was a, a great performance, you know? She shot really good. A very enthusiastic crowd for Mexico in uh, in the stands.
3: Yeah. You yeah. Know? Always a little party going on in the stands with Mexico. So No doubt.
0: Yep. Usually what it is,
1: is it's all the Latin American countries yep. kind of together. Yeah, Th- they're, they're
3: kind very... of cheering for Colombia yeah. and, you know.
1: Yeah, I call it the L.A.U., the Spain, Latin American Union. You
0: have Ms. Marin from Spain, she had a very good uh, support from the local base, from Mexico and from...
1: Spanish-speaking, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 And they're all friends, so, there,
0: you, know? you know, if you look at... Well, they share a common language and, you know...
1: Yeah, when, the, uh, when a lot of the Latin American countries go to Europe and say there's multiple events within, you know, three or four weeks, oftentimes they'll go to the first event, and if they have that gap and it works out, they'll go to Spain and train there and then go to the next event. So Spain is kind of like the European home oh, for the yep. Spanish-speaking um, yeah. countries. Yeah. Not to, not
0: to step on a landmine here, but I, I had the distinct impression that I saw the archers from the People's Republic of China cheering for the archers from Chinese Taipei too huh. during the you know matches when they were out there. Very cool. So I thought that was cool. Yep. You know, that's one of the nice things about archery. It kind of transcends politics. I mean, yeah, mm. it's
3: not just archery. I think... Most sports are.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: I'm going to ask a question. I, I believe Hong Kong competes separate of, of them. Is that correct? In the
0: Asian Federation, uh, Hong Kong China, which is how it's referred to, HKG, Hong Kong China competes in the Asian Federation and in the Asian Games as, it's separate, as a separate entity. Mm. I think the same is true in the Olympic Games still. Pretty sure. I but I don't, don't think, think they, know, they qualified no. anybody. No, no, no. no. no.
1: I've never I've seen them in Shanghai, but I've never seen their team outside of that. So right. I'm wondering if they just don't have a yeah, very they, strong they, federation.
3: No, they they come to the indoors in Bangkok. Yes. And, and
0: but yeah, but I think they're self-funded on the compound side, and I don't think they have too many strong recurve shooters. Might be it. Yep. I think that's what you're seeing there.
1: I, I read an article the other day about. Um, I believe we recently had the anniversary of uh, Hong Kong being. Uh, transition back. Yeah, it's to been China. twenty years. It's been twenty years yeah. since then. Yeah. So, thought that was interesting.
0: It is interesting. Um, and you know, there's politics there, just like anything else, uh, which is beyond the scope of the show. But uh, yeah, Hong Kong, China has their own team, and um, we frequently see them at Asian events like the Asian Grand Prix hmm. and in the Asian Games and, and that sort of thing. In fact, um, you know, there's something like forty something separate countries that compete in the Asian. In wow. the Asian Federation so I mean they're little countries right you got places like Myanmar and I mean you know you name it and uh, that is a function and, and Russia by the way is in that Federation as well yeah right
1: yeah so Iran spanning oh yeah Iran yeah, yeah,
0: and, part the... and Iraq and uh, yeah. Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. and uh, you know there's also the the Mediterranean Union teams you know Lebanon and you know Israel's part of that mm-hmm. I think and so you have um, a lot of geographic division, but when it comes to uh, Hong Kong, China, I don't think Macau has its own team. I've never seen archers from Macau, but there's a there's a country code for them, so they could have a team, yeah. you know, if they if they uh, if they wanted to. Hmm. Philippines had a good turnout at our event here, and um, you know, I think next year we'll see even more.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, Philippines has a little history with world archery and and in the beginning they were present and, at all the world cups basically and they were doing quite well yeah so, i yeah. think their
0: federation had a issue of some kind where they got no, decertified know that, at some point yeah, so. you know but um yeah they're back so yep.
3: that's
0: pretty and cool and it's good to have them back so yeah. yeah so i i you know i personally i was very happy to have that event here um i know greg easton and the easton foundation was very satisfied with the turnout and the way the yep. event went i know world archery was happy with the way the event went so um, i think the archers all liked it they liked the food better than this time this time than in ogden that's what i kept hearing
3: okay yeah, well, i mean i thought the lunch was
1: garbage i'm kind of sick this week too so i'm just going to say okay well i think i think the at least lunch was huh. <laughs> i'll tell greg <laughs> greg didn't cook it
0: yeah fair enough well, on that note, hey, it's been great to have you here, Dean.
3: Thank you. Thanks again. And, uh, Dean Alberga from dutchtarget.com. So it a
0: Official photographer of world archery. Photographer extraordinaire. Also, a lot of people don't realize, great archery coach and equipment technician. So thank you, Dean. Thank you. Steve, what's your plans for uh, getting ready for Berlin? Um, you heard, I heard you say you're going to practice. Yeah.
1: Well, there's uh, like five events leading up to Berlin. So I'm going to be shooting a bow. Pretty much uh, every day, or at least weekly, five times a week Wow! from July 11th
0: on. Okay. So, so what, is, what are some of the events you've got coming up?
1: Uh, so my first one is the Pro Archery Series in Luxembourg. Uh, that's kind of a, that's my year vacation as well. I, I'm Field archery event. Yeah, I don't really have to do well at it. I mean, yeah. I, I would like to, it'd be great, but I'm going to go and relax a little bit and enjoy an archery mm-hmm. event where, there's no stipulations outside of the that one event. Our golf clubs going with that one too. No, no, leaving the golf clubs at home. All right. Um, National get back RSA. from well, I get back from that. I go to OPA.
0: Oh, that's
1: yes. uh, the uh, the this tournament of marked uh, 3D
0: deal. Right with dots. Right. Yeah. The organizer of that being Levi Morgan. Right. Um, Still.
1: Yeah. One of the organizers. Yep. Yeah. Um, he started that though. Yeah. Right? Following that. Uh, NFAA Field Nationals in Yankton. Uh Always exciting. Sure. And then, um, and that one is a big one for me because it has NFAA Shooter of the Year implications. Yeah,
0: which, does Redding come into play? Yeah, Redding does.
1: So I'm leading. I think think I'm tied with, Jesse and I may be tied. Okay. I can't remember the exact rundown. Um, I I believe we
0: are. It would be nice to have that title. It'd be It'd nice be, for you to have that silver bowl.
1: I care less about the bowl, just show me the money. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know what I like is you know, Dean, he's honest,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. None, of this, none I, of this I can appreciate that in Steve. None show, of this yeah. BS, yes, we're doing it for the sport. Hey, it's all about it's all about the glory of sport. No, show me the money, baby. Yeah. All right, I get it. Yeah. I have no problem with that. It's honest anyway.
1: Yep. Uh I mean, yeah, it's the achievement is great. Uh huh. And there's no doubt that that means a lot. But and you've it means got a, a lot to truck me. to feed. Right. <laughs> um, so I'm skipping World Games for that one. I made the World Games team, but I'm, I'm electing not to go.
0: My jaw so. just dropped. World Games. Uh, I would never imagine giving up a World Games slot, having shot that event. I would, I would uh, absolutely make that a priority personally. Yeah, the World but Games is, is different cool. for different people, and and shooter of the year is important too. I get that.
1: Financially, I mean, as a professional archer, financially, yeah, yeah I It's a lot more lucrative. Said, yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, and you having gone choice. to the World Games in Colombia, where they put on great events, and we've talked about this. Yeah, we don't. Need to I don't go have, go there. have a I, ton I know of what you're about to say. Desire. We don't need to go there. Yeah, we just don't need huh. to go there. I, I think Colombia was the pinnacle of World
0: Games for me. Okay. So. Germany did a pretty fine job in the one I shot it yeah
1: we'll just leave it at that okay Um, following yankton then we go to uh Indianapolis for USA archery outdoor nationals right and we go straight from there to Berlin so okay so you got your
0: you got your work cut out for you yeah might as well
1: practice it's a tough five weeks and get back and Man, then I've got a couple weeks or a week off, and then we go to uh, SoCal. Okay. Then hopefully World Cup final not long after that, and uh, then we got two three weeks off, and we shoot Texas shootout.
0: And then we and start then winding we have, the season down.
1: Yeah, about a, about three weeks until World Championships. Then we're we're, done. we're
0: looking at doing a camp in San Diego uh, before World Championships. So as we get more information on that, we'll uh, we'll see about uh, getting some info out there but right now it looks like we'll have an international team camp for acclimatization and training um, not too long before the world championship, which is not a bad idea for countries who are 16 time zones away.
1: Right, yeah, you know? show up in San Diego for yeah. three, four days. Get some
0: then... real close to the same time zone. It's not the same altitude as Mexico, but uh, no. it might be better to ease into that situation, I would think. Yeah. So could be a good opportunity. We'll have more info on that uh, perhaps in the next podcast. Which will probably be about nine or 10 days because we have the American Independence holiday coming up next. And so we won't be around, but uh, we'll all be back uh, toward the end of next week and we'll try to throw another one of these out there.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited. We have a, what, a four day weekend coming up.
0: Yeah. You haven't had one of those in a while. I haven't had a weekend in a while. I haven't, me neither. So I can relate. Anyway, for myself, George Techmanchev, our guest, Dean Alberga, and Steve. The big cat, Anderson? I'll let you handle the clothes. Okay. End of show?
1: End of show. End
0: of show.